Hi, I'm your host, Thomas, data scientist, data engineer, and you're listening Let's Talk AI. On this podcast, we receive experts to talk about their experience, visions, challenges, with no fear to go into technical details. If you're looking to learn more about AI and related subjects, you're at the right place to make yourself comfortable and enjoy. If you like this episode, please give us a review on your favorite streaming platform, such as Spotify or Apple Podcast. You can also find more content on my LinkedIn newsletter. What's up, people? Let's talk AI. Thomas here speaking. I have the honor to be with Christine. You might know her from LinkedIn. Um, and I'm super excited. I have a lot of questions. But first of all, Christine, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being on the show. I'm super happy. I was really looking forward to this episode. Um, so, Christine, I, I always like to ask the guests that come down the show, um, instead of me uh, like doing a quick presentation, Could you present yourself in a few words? It can be like only professional, but you can balance like who is Christine uh, in a few sentences. Yeah, yeah. So if I was going to talk about myself in general, um, I'm a nerd with too many hobbies. I have, you know, three sewing machines, too many mechanical keyboards. There's two behind me, two in front of me, another one over there. Um, I also play with resin. I do a ton of weird, practical data projects. I take gymnastics. I'm a pole dancer. Nice mm. keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I just, I like to keep my hands in, you know, a whole bunch of different things. And yeah, that's that's the essence of me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, you have always said, uh, so I've been following you for for some, some time now, and, and you have always such a great energy, and, and you're always trying to, to give to, to people uh, both your passion um, for the technology and what drives you, but also uh, trying to communicate with such a high energy. It's always awesome to to look into your work and what you do and you have your own show, but we'll uh, get into all of that um, in this podcast. So super happy to have you on the show. So Christina, I really wanted to ask you this question. Uh, we, we've discussed it a bit before off camera, but uh, what are you trying to achieve today taking into account that uh, you've done freelance you've also done corporate work and you work on a lot of different things so what are you trying to achieve yeah so it's really interesting i feel like you know in the beginning of my career i was really trying to climb the corporate ladder and whatever that looked like and nowadays you know i've i've gotten myself actually to a position where i have the opportunity to work on interesting projects Uh, and and really have a lot of flexibility, and I'm really content there. And mm. so my my objective is just really to you know continue to stay happy. I enjoy um, building my own brand on mm. LinkedIn, and I enjoy the projects that I'm working on. And so you know, for once, I'm actually not trying to like take over the world. I'm really just enjoying the mm. the community and and what I'm doing and yeah. and being a part of it all. That's awesome. And uh, maybe to the people who, who doesn't know you, uh, could you do um, a, a quick resume of what happened in your career, like the evolution of everything, kind of uh, an overview of what happened through time from university? Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
so I, I finished my bachelor's in mathematics in 2004, and then I went on to get a master's degree in statistics. In uh, 2010, I was doing econometric time series analysis and mm -hmm. forecasting in the utility industry. So I was okay. building neural nets to forecast um, hourly electric load. I was building a lot of ARIMAs. And then I moved into healthcare for a bit. So it, w it looked like, you know, motivating um, different uh, groups of people to get their colorectal cancer screenings and that sort of thing, medication adherence. Mm. And then I spent like five years in e-commerce, marketing analytics, advanced analytics. And that really helped to set off my ability to uh, build a personal brand. And I became obsessed with, uh, you know, different things like content marketing and SEO mm. and uh, was able to go off on my own for a couple of years. Mm. And, you know, doing uh, data science consulting, mm -hmm. teaching, I taught a course for UC Berkeley Extension, um, you know, and now I work for Comet ML. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, a, a recruiter had reached out, you know, about a year ago and said, hey, have you heard of developer advocacy? And I was like, no, I haven't. And uh, when I learned that it was the opportunity to marry basically content creation with my data background, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I knew that that was uh, a perfect fit for me. And so that sort of brings you up to where we are today. Awesome. Awesome. That's a quite good uh, retrospective. Um, so you mentioned different things. You mentioned Comet, uh, Comet ML. Uh, and, and you also have your own show, right? Cool Data Projects, correct? Yes. So from... from so so you mentioned that yeah that you join uh, machine learning and, and that you, you mix your skills of data science uh, and and content creation uh, what does it look like can you give some insights of uh, how do you approach uh, this uh, this job and and how do you approach being a content creator um, uh, whether on linkedin or on all social platforms how do you combine both yeah yeah so i mean in 2018 when i first started uh with content creation it was really yes. posting on linkedin and i joined a lot of blogging groups and i started okay. a blog and i heard about you know the different ways that they were marketing on social media and i started digging deeper into those areas on youtube um and so that's been a whole journey in and of itself um yeah. But then Comet is a tool for experiment tracking. So all of your uh, model training runs are easily compared in a nice dashboard and monitoring your models in production. Okay. Um, and so I had, for this role, I had interviewed with a number of companies and I, you know, in my head, I was like, well, everyone needs experiment tracking uh, and all experiments get tracked. So it mm. would be the opportunity to build all sorts of different interesting projects and mm. they'd all still need to use Comet. Um, so that's sort of how I got here, um, mm. you know, really like the flexibility and, and that I could see how it was easily going to fit into my life. And I started the Cool Data Project show as I, I began at Comet. So this was sort of within the first two weeks of okay. starting at Comet. It was like, well, you know, if I'm a developer advocate, we should have a show. And I said, you know, I'm going to call it the Cool Data Project show. And 
there I have the opportunity to interview practitioners in MLDL and AI about cool projects they're working on. Yes. Um, and honestly, I pick people who are working on cool projects that, you know, align with, uh, you know, what I might be working on myself so that I can ask some self-serving questions and get yes. some insight uh, because the focus there is really methodology and approach. It's mm. really, you know, tangible. How how would somebody else go and um, try and tackle this problem? So that's, mm. you know, a little bit of sort of what I'm up to today and, and the Cool Data Project show. That's awesome. That's super cool. Uh, if you had to... So you mentioned uh, earlier, like uh, a bit your, your background and, and how you got into data science. Uh, maybe to the people who are listening right now, some, some of them are at the beginning of uh, their journey of data science. Um, and and we, all, we, we always kind of look for some guidance and you have such a, a unique uh, energetic profile. Uh, and, and everyone who see your content will uh, agree with me that, that you share all of this um, knowledge with patient. Um, would you have some advice for uh, young people at the beginning or people who just switch and, and went for data science and, and switch their careers? Would you have some maybe advice of like where to start off, what to take into account, some key lessons that you've learned on the go? Yeah, so I think that it's like super important to get involved in the data science community, whether that's on LinkedIn or Twitter or Reddit, uh, there are so many people there and you're able to passively learn in a way that, you know, so many things end up in my feed that I end up learning about that um, I wouldn't have maybe Googled myself otherwise. And, you know, I've had the opportunity to learn that like, hey, you know, we don't use stepwise regression for, uh, variable selection anymore. You know, we use something else. And, um, you know, I also see a ton of how to get into data science. You know, so on Reddit, there's the data science subreddit. There's the learn machine learning subreddit. Um, you know, and some of the stuff is going to be really highly technical. But at the same time, we also see a lot of, you know, and especially on LinkedIn too, we see a lot of how do you get into data science? How should you be approaching your interviews for data science roles? Here's, you know, resources for leap code or whatever. Um, you know, you're really able to, it's, so it's not something that you're going to be able to go and uh, be there for three hours and, you know, take it all in. It's, it's sort of something that is a journey. Mm. You know, it's definitely a journey that you want to be a part of if mm. you are getting into data science. Mm. Okay, awesome. Thanks for uh, sharing this, uh, this knowledge. And so uh, earlier I mentioned freelancing, right? And you mentioned that at the beginning you were grinding the corporate ladder, but then you, you went for freelancing. Can you share this period of transition, how it went, what, what challenges did you felt, and... Uh, and then I would have some maybe follow-up questions regarding this transition. Yeah, so it really came about um, building my personal brand. All of a okay. sudden, people started coming into my inbox with different opportunities, whether mm. that was, you know, um, teaching for emeritus, which uh, so that let me help with a number of the 
a bunch of the content for the um, Dartmouth and Columbia online mm -hmm. courses or you know, somebody else would come into my inbox just needing something else, a model, something else. Um, and that was really how I ended up doing it. I built up this personal brand mm. and then people started, you know, seeing what I was sharing and coming into my mailbox. It's also something where I'm like really glad that I was a job hopper because there were old bosses who were now at different companies yeah. who had a use case and knew that I was doing freelance work and that I'd be available for a contract, mm. uh, you know, and don't underestimate the power of sharing on LinkedIn that you're now offering these services uh, because people do end up finding you. And I think in terms of challenges, you know, when I was getting ready to leave my six figure data science job, it was, you know, do I have enough work to sort of replace that income? And, and I did, I, you know, 2019 was my first year fully on my own and I replaced my data science income. Uh, but you know, I did take on too much work because I was worried, will I have enough work? And then I was so stressed because I took on too much stuff and trying to find that balance was really hard and mm -hmm. trusting that, you know, something new would come through or that, you know, that I could say no to something, um, and, and be okay was definitely mm. a learning experience for me. Mm. That's awesome. So there is this, uh, transition that may be, uh, yeah, because some, most of the time when good data scientists go to freelancing, there is this moment where it is scary because we want to have the, the comfortable situation that we might have experienced. And, uh, it is, um, it is getting to know something new, but also you, you always share so much, like how great it was to you going on this journey and, and the freelancing. A data scientist seems a very a very interesting pass and so what what would be like the the biggest tips you could give to someone who might be thinking is it like because you mentioned a lot um building your brand and i always like to ask these questions do you feel like sharing on on socials um about building your own brand of on your career journey do you feel like everyone should be doing it uh because you learn so much from it or do you think it's just for some people? How do you approach this, first of all? No, I think everyone should be doing it. I mean, I've had, I've made friendships where like I've, you know, slept over pe people's houses that I met on LinkedIn and their mom is making me dinner, you know? Uh, and these are also the people, you'll find a lot of people in the, in the same position. So I got to a point where I was friends with other people who were also mm. looking to build their own business and go off on their mm. own and were sharing resources and we're, we're talking about these things. I didn't mm. feel like I was alone. And there's, you know, there's just a lot of interesting things there. You know, what are we going to use for a CRM for managing our clients? What's my product offering mm -hmm. going to be? Can mm -hmm. I bounce these product offering ideas off of you, mm. um, you know, with people who are in the same place, because, you know, I, from my experience, I don't feel like I've, you know, I've had mentors previously in the sense that, you know, when I was getting my bachelor's in math, I went yeah. to a ton of tutoring because um, I didn't, I was sort of a, a more troubled, <laughs> troubled high schooler. Uh, okay. And so, you know, when I got to college, I, I had to play catch up a little bit uh, and get a little bit more serious, you know, and so 
there are people that I've looked up to as mentors, but when it came to business, I didn't really feel like I, you know, had somebody who I could call who had made the same transition themselves. And so it really came from, you know, the, the building the brand, it brings in the opportunities. It helps you make the friends that are doing the same things. It's really the whole three and it helps you, you know, be better at your job because you're passively taking in, you know, what are the new libraries I should be checking out and what are the new advancements in the field? Mm. I mean, it's really, for me, it's been everything. It's, Mm. it's really transformed my life. Mm. And I feel like what what you mentioned before, I feel like this community, you mentioned about the corporate ladder ladder, and most of the time when we're in a company where we seek for guidance from the people who are um, at a higher hierarchy from us, but but this is just at a company level. And the good thing about social media and building brands, and, and I've experienced it at my level, um, so I could only imagine what, what you've experienced, but you meet so many great people, talent people that are, that are willing to share and, and discuss with you for some time and, and give you their, their tips. And so I, I could uh, imagine how these transitions, uh, a lot of the time we can think going freelance is going alone. But in the end, it ends up uh, being the journey where you meet the most people and, and you make, you have the most, um, you have a very fun time and, and you're always learning, sharing, and uh, you feel part of a community. And this is, I think, a good thing to, to remember to people who are having these, these dabs, like connect and understand who are the others who are doing freelance and reach out to them and ask questions and share share back when people ask questions and I feel like this is such a, a unique uh, and awesome approach. You just mentioned mentoring, and I wanted to get back on that because uh, having the opportunity to ask you about mentoring is something I wanted to, to do. Um, how do you approach first um, finding mentors, and do you find mentors for different things? And, and secondly, how do you approach mentoring people? Yeah, so I think nowadays myself, when I'm looking for a mentor, it's really more of like a peer and it's, you know, collaboration. I wish I had, you know, uh, somebody who was maybe more of like an executive to mentor me, but I, I just don't have that at mm. the at the moment. And I think that if somebody is looking to get a mentor, you know, the way to do it, at least, you know, the, the for the people that are in my, you know, area, whatever, if you're looking at somebody that you meet on LinkedIn and you want to reach out and see if they'll mentor you. Um, and you may see advice on LinkedIn about this, about like just being bold and reaching out. But I just want to give like a word of caution because, you know, when somebody has a lot of followers and they're getting a lot of DMS, you know, the way to stand out is really to start engaging with their posts, give it a like, give it a comment, you know, you'll end up getting a response from the person, you know, do that a couple times. Now that person knows who you are before you go and ask for something, um, you know, especially where, you know, like a, a, a mentor almost to me feels like it's something that, that grows organically a bit. It's hard to like force it and be like, Hey, will you be my mentor? Um, and then, you know, The other person's like, sure, but where do we start? I don't actually know you, right? And so to try and, um, you know, get engaged with these people first publicly and then then move to the DMs and maybe, you know, also talk about something that isn't necessarily asking for mentorship as your first 
outreach and yeah. then go for mentorship when it mm. feels like you've, you've built a relationship with this person. Mm. Super interesting. I remember a cool on this episode who, who told me um, you could also reach a mentor by saying, uh, hey, hi, I, I, love, I really enjoy what you do and I look, I look forward to, um, to, to see more of it and learn more from you. Would you consider doing a quick session where we could discuss like a digital coffee? And he told me most of the time to, see, to show that you're serious like propose uh, and I want you to, to tell me what you think about it but propose to like help with something like can I do yeah. something for you and, and you give me some of your time to just show me guidance and I feel like this is a very healthy way to do and like you mentioned and this is so true a, a lot of people who have a, a huge following on socials some of their posts we have um, will have less engagements than others and uh, on those posts where there are not many people it's a great opportunity to like have visibility to them like if you comment something that is uh, relevant or or just being here and and so they will way easier see who you are in those comments in those likes uh, than in the in the inbox which is uh, which might be yeah. uh, I mean uh, I mean, funny story so there is a guy um Fred he's great um but he comments on like every single one of my posts and all he says is cool period yeah <laughs> um, but let me tell you i know who that person is now and we've chatted a lot in the dms um and you know and, and it it gets your attention yeah. uh and as far as the person who said like offering something i think that's fantastic because if somebody said that to me um i'd never really have anything for them to do for me but it would make me feel as though like this person really values my time which is yeah really important when you know you have dms where like there's lots of people asking for your time too much but which is funny though because um like um hi fred i hope you're doing well if you're listening to this episode please leave a comment uh, just to to let us know that you're here but uh, <laughs> let's take the example of of uh, of fred so what i wanted to say is um for example let's take the example of fred there is also something when, when you produce content like yourself, and, and I want you to know what you think about it. Um, at least, okay, we, we, we also have this, this vision of trying to, to add value uh, in our own way. And um, meeting the people who engage with your content and with what you're trying to share is a great opportunity to improve what you're trying to share because those people who engage the more are the people who who might need more things and engaging with them so in a way if i know that this person is a lot of the time engaging with, with what we have to propose i would love to meet this person to have more feedback and more insight on his journey what is he who is he what is he trying to achieve so that when then we go back into like trying to be content creators and adding value and showcasing some talents, some data experts, some skills. We have those people in mind. And so I feel like what you mentioned earlier, like being part of a community, engaging with the creators that you feel like you, you want to know more about and, and try to improve. I feel like we are more, um, we, we have a bigger will to connect with these people because it's like when you have a data project and, and you want to improve your data project, uh, I'm not saying people are that or maybe it's the things that I didn't say, but but how do you approach this? Uh, like, do you feel like 
for your show or for your for your work do you connect with the people who engage with you the more to have kind of feedbacks on what you do how do you approach uh, this uh, this thing so i'd say that for my projects i end up picking up new people um it's really interesting so you know i've become close friends with a lot of people that engage with my content the opportunities for freelancing and business that come in are actually not the people that engage with the content right because you have reach as well so there's a lot of lurkers watching and those are the people that end up in mm. your in your dms but for projects I will go. So one example is I went to the Reddit computer vision subreddit and I said, Hey, I'm looking to, um, augment my images. What is the easiest way for me to do this? Right. Because there's a, a number of different libraries, there's augmentations. Um, and so, you know, rather than looking around, I just like wanted somebody to spoon feed me. What's, what's the easiest way to do this? And this guy came on and he said, check out RoboFlow." Right. And so now I can't tell you how many times I've mentioned RoboFlow on um, my on my LinkedIn. I absolutely mm. love that product. It was super easy for me to augment my images, annotate my images. You know, you just like pull your images over, put them in the file, press a couple buttons. And before you know it, you're downloading the data in the correct format that you need for your computer vision model like so mm. easy but so now i made friends with the guy that you know commented hey you should check out roboflow and then now i'm also working with his coworker who is playing with um you know we're playing with raspberry pis and jetson nanos and um you know putting models on those and seeing how they perform And, you know, so it's just this web. I, I, so I don't think, you know, some, I'm sure that people could, um, you know, help me on my projects that are actually on LinkedIn that I'm already connected to, but really it's, you know, the network is always growing and mm. I'm always finding new people who are helping me with new things. Cause I'm like a ping pong ball. I'm like working on this type of thing. And then I'm working on that type of thing. Um, So, you know, there's gonna, there's not probably many people who are going to be an expert in all the things, you know, yeah. but um, I'm always, I'm always picking up new people and I'm making friends with new people and, and having new experiences. That's awesome. Thanks. Uh, thanks for sharing. Um, it really helps uh, trying to, to understand and, and improve the approach um, we can have for like freelancing and networking and, uh, and mentoring. Um, so Let's close with the freelance uh, with one question uh, that I would have. Uh, if that's okay with you, I always like to, to, to ask maybe some practical example. Um, could, you, could you describe uh, with us how would you approach a new project, a uh, freelance project, with like a real, real example? Like, could you take us a bit through this journey of having the project, understanding it, and, and delivering? Like, what do you go through? What is your framework for approaching? Okay. Are we talking about a freelance project in like business or are we talking about like a personal project? I, I would ask business first because I really want, I have more questions about your personal project. Like for example, the, the school, school bus, I don't want to say more, but I, I want to have, um, I want to ask you more about this uh, after this business section, if that's right with you. Yeah, sure. So uh, when it comes to 
freelancing, you know, because I started my own business. I had my LLC. So I also came up with my own contract for mm -hmm. when, you know, I'm trying to, to get business. But in the case of freelancing, um, mm -hmm. I typically sign their contract, their NDA. Um, if the company is close enough, I go on site. So uh, one example of a project I worked on was like a subscription meat business. Okay. They were in Boston. I live close to Boston. I went on site a couple times. Um, I built a retention model for them. Uh, it was actually pretty straightforward. A lot of my uh, freelancing work has either been something that ends up becoming um, just continuous, right? Like the company yeah. just you know, always has some work for me to do and, and I'm working and, and this wasn't this case, but you know, there's, there's those two scenarios. It either turns into sort of a long-term thing because these people actually really needed help or they needed help with, you know, they didn't happen to have the machine learning, um, expertise on their team. So I built, built them a retention model. And then, you know, first of all, I built it in R and uh, then they were like, hey, we actually need this in Python. So I redid it in Python. And then I went in and I, you know, showed them how, you know, the talked about the drivers of the model, how they'd, you know, look for when the model needed to be like retrained. Yeah. Um, and so that was sort of a, a quick project where it was like, hey, we need this retention model. Somebody else on the team had already aggregated. They were um, in Azure. Somebody else had already brought a lot of the data together. So I was able to just like take that, clean it up a little bit mm. more, yeah. um, run it through a model and um, set it up so that it would easily be able to be put in production. And then awesome. it came to the team. Awesome. And do they do they contact you again, like to to retrain the model or to do more things, or do you deliver the knowledge, like when to retrain, and then it's down, and and maybe they will ask you to do another model, or maybe in the future, but they won't ask you to 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 come into into the project um, because you were mentioning that you were sometimes um, like staying in the company and working through times. In the in this specific case, you just deliver the model and it was over, right? Yeah, no. So I spent like uh, some time on site with them going over my, you know, I explained my code and okay. what I did and how to use it and, you know, what they should be doing going forward. So they didn't need me okay. to come back. And really, I mean, they wanted the capability on their team, right? It's not that they like want to have to reach out to somebody else to do the work. Typically, mm. data scientists in industry like want to... Um, you know, have the ability to perform machine learning, or I guess I don't want to speak for everybody, but a lot of the people that I've met, you know, yeah. that's considered like the cool stuff um, yeah. a lot of times. So uh, yeah, so I set them up so that they'd be okay on their own. Hmm. That's super interesting. And um, how do you, because you mentioned uh, data quality and uh, as a freelancer, it, does it happen where you come into a project expect being expected to do something But then you realize that the data isn't the data doesn't allow you to do what they're asking. Like, do you give a look at the data before accepting a contract, 
or a, a, an insight or how, how do you approach this data quality thing? Because if they ask you to do a predictive model and you end up doing with very bad quality uh, linear regression, like how do you approach this? Yeah, so it is a huge issue. Um, you know, I've had clients where uh, the data is super siloed and they want something that, you know, just isn't feasible. It's like, well, and, you know, a couple of times I've actually ended up just doing a POC. It's like, okay, well, we can go to this team and get this data. We can go to this team and get this data. We can put it all together. We can build a model. Um, but really, you're going to have to look at yeah, improving yeah. your infrastructure if you yeah. want to be able to, like, make this a thing. Um, and I don't, that's not my area of expertise. Uh, and so, you know, you just find a way to do to do what you can to deliver what you can with what they have okay. or to consult them on um you know who they might need to go seek out to get them to where they need to be mm. okay awesome thanks thank you so much for sharing this uh, freelance business uh, approach uh, i want to come back in the um, to get back into your fun projects because uh, you've told me about a few and i would like to share with everyone um uh, one or two project that that you two projects that you really like to work on. Uh, I really like to enjoy hearing about the school bus project, but maybe you decide to share about uh, different ones. Uh, can you share a bit about how do you come up with your fun personal projects, and how do you and like can you give an insight of like how did you build one from scratch and and how is it going now and can you share some insight about that? Yeah. So I think recently I've gotten my personal projects from like different pain points in my life. So um, I built the school bus detector. And so for people who don't know me, um, I, you know, built a computer vision model to detect the, it's an object detection model using YOLO V5 to detect when the school bus passes my house because the school bus has to go by my house. It picks up somebody else and then it comes back and picks up my daughter at the end of the driveway. Um, and so it was really like, hey, this will be beneficial to us. Uh, you know, now I can like be cooking my kids breakfast and I don't have to be worrying about whether or not I missed the bus go by the first time or you know, is the bus late or did we miss it? Uh, because I have all those texts. And that is something that is running in my house now 24 seven. Um, and then the, and, but I, I should probably put it up on a scheduler instead. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it on the Raspberry Pi? Um, and then, you know, once, so the, once you do one project, the floodgates open. So, you know, I looked at it and I was like, okay, like using what I've already built, like we can take that and see if we can run it on a Raspberry Pi, um, with a little $10 camera. And so now I have a model that checks for, did I pick up my pills? And I bought a 3d printer and my husband ended up printing out the 3d structure for this because he became obsessed with the 3d printer um, <laughs> but you know so i have this little structure that my my pills are in and so it notices when i pick up my pills so that okay. then you know at three o'clock in the afternoon when i'm like oh no did i take my pills today like i know because i have an alert so you know the the most recent couple of projects were things that um you know really enhanced my life made it better currently you know i had started playing with the raspberry pis so then it was like well 
I'll build that out because also YOLO V8 was just released, um, you know, like a month ago. And so I'm sort of comparing, well, YOLO V8 and YOLO V5 on Raspberry Pi and Jets okay. and Nanos, and I'm using a fun um, dog data set. And so, you know, we're going to be soon watching my dog on video and seeing how these little edge devices are performing. And awesome. the project I'm going to do after that is um, I'm going to use, so YOLO V7 has a, like a position estimation. Yes. And so I'm going to take video of uh, my daughter and I sort of train together. We're going to do some press handstands, some backflips and stuff um, and make a video of that and see if, I'm interested to see how the position estimation works when you go upside down, mm. um, which of course, you know, I can, uh, you know, do image augmentation yeah. and, um, you know, train it on upside down images. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I'm just interested to see how it goes. So those, those last two are less practical, but they're also a lot faster. Um, mm. You know, like I'm using a dog data set from Kaggle um, I don't know where the human data set is coming from, but like they're all already annotated. Whereas with the um, school bus example, that's mm. trained on, I took video of the bus passing my house and annotated that by mm. hand myself. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so that, that model is only trained on, you know, the school, the specific school bus that passes our house, my neighbors yeah. that walk by and like the neighbor's neighbor's Tesla that drives by, you know, like mm. that's, that's the only data uh, there, but there was a yeah. lot of learnings along the way because I had actually never, I'm new to computer vision. Um, okay. I was a tabular data person. Uh. So, um, but yeah, that's sort of, you know, my that's project. That's awesome. That's super that's cool. Like, I love I love hearing about all your your fun projects and uh, I have a different question honestly uh, but uh, the first one is um, have you done that augmentation like on the data set you use to train the when the bus goes by uh, have you like used so I understand you've recorded different times the bus going on and then have you done like that augmentation with like putting noise into the videos and like to improve the data and, and be more efficient on different, like how did you approach um, making the model, taking into account that if the bus pass and there is also cars that pass, it will recognize the bus or like, how, yeah, how did you manage this part of that augmentation? And Yeah, so I actually played with data augmentation and then ended up not using it. Okay. I ended up um, just adding more photos because I didn't want to be introducing different things that actually aren't reality because the scope is so small, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, I ended up uh, adding classes for, because before I just had the bus and then I added classes for cars and trucks and mm. um, humans, which doesn't have a a big data set and I do get some false positives. Um, I had an interesting one that was, you know, the soccer net. We took out the soccer net and for some reason the like, you know, diamonds of the net itself like tripped it up and I got a <laughs> false positive for okay. that. And there have been times where, um, you know, not if a truck drives by, but if a, you know, if a, a big yellow, uh, 
uh, utility truck needs to stop in front of my house to work on the power lines. Like I've mm-hmm. gotten a, a false positive for that as well. Um, and so, you know, it's funny because like I said, I had reached out on Reddit to look for a library for data augmentation. And mm. then, you know, I played with data augmentation and ended up not even actually using it, which was um, partially because one of my uh, Cool Data Project Show episodes, the person that I talked to, um, Akash James, is mm-hmm. like, you know, does amazing things with computer vision. And he was just like, yeah, like, don't introduce things that um, you're not actually going to see in the real world. Like, you know, I'm able to, to annotate everything that Cause it's, I mean, I've got trees in the background out front. Like there's not, it's a very quiet street. I don't think that, um, this use case would extend well for other people necessarily, but for myself where everything's very stationary, it's a quiet street. Um, we just went with, you know, multiple videos of the house passing my, the, the bus passing my house in both directions, Mm -hmm. lots of images of partial buses, um all right that's that's uh, super interesting and and it makes total sense uh um sometimes that augmentation will only add noise and predict do more false positives because we're just learning more things and maybe these things we don't, we don't need to have uh, those things to, uh, as a model uh, i wanted to ask before asking you another question I want to get back to the model uh, seven and, and five. Uh, was it uh, Yolo that you mentioned, or how how was it called the model? Yeah, the bus is Yolo V five. Yolo V five. What what tips would you have to someone that wants to start doing their own fun projects? Like, how should they approach them? How do you, how should they come up with ideas? Could you could you give a bit of uh, of um, advice regarding that? Yeah, I mean, so for me, it was really like, what can I do that's going to make my life better? I found that specifically with tabular data, it was always difficult to like scour the internet for a data set because there's just so many. And then you're trying to fit the problem to the data set rather than the data set to a problem. Um, It's easier to go. It's easier to go the other way. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, once, once you can come up with something that you want to solve, it's really, for me, I love, I love the blog articles. I know like, you know, I probably should spend, should go to the docs first. Um, but you know, I don't, I look for somebody who's done what it is that I want to do and did it in a way that looks, you know, as straightforward as possible. Like when I wrote my blog articles about the bus project, you know, I'm putting a link to here's the camera that I used. So I used like a $60 camera that I found on Amazon. It, you know, plays well with OpenCV. And so you're able to like follow and it's not, it's not a tutorial because I'm not bringing you through every single step that you need to do. But it's like, Hmm. I spent a good amount of time looking for, I was like, okay, like, will this camera work for my purposes? I don't know. How good of a camera do I need? Like, and, and it just, it it was like this bigger question. And if I had Hmm. read a blog article and somebody was like, Hey, if you want to do this type of project, get this camera, I would have just clicked buy, Hmm. you know? Hmm. Um, And so, you know, just sort of trying to navigate and and find those places where um, somebody's going to just sort of handhold and 
you know, tell you, hey, these are the libraries I used. And, you know, this is why I recommend these libraries. Mm. Awesome. Thinking about this Corbus, uh, it intrigues me. How do you do like when it's raining? Like, and have you trained the model so that it works also when it's raining or when it's a bit more dark? How did you manage that? Yeah, that's interesting. And so, um, cause I got the video, the data is all in the sunlight, um, from the summer. And then I also live in the Northeast, so it snows here. And uh, we just haven't had any issues. Yeah, so I, I, and maybe I've gotten a couple extra false positives, but that's specifically why. So I use AWS to send my alerts and I made sure to also include the image where it, you know, where the decision was made that um, we detected a bus. Yeah. So if I if I was to get a false positive, I can just look on my phone and look at it and say, like, that's not a bus. That's a truck. Um, and so when it's dark or when it's snowing, I have it just running and I haven't missed a single bus. So I haven't added any data for being dark or um, in the snow. And I really thought I was going to have to, you know, I, I had that exact same question. And when I first started with this, I was like, Oh, when it snows, I'm probably going to have to annotate more data and add it. But I, I haven't missed a bus. So I mm. haven't added any more data. That's awesome. Yeah. Maybe it's just the models just recognize the patterns of the bus or like the, the shape or like the speed or I don't know, but uh, super interesting. Okay, thanks. Thanks for sharing. Um, so that's so great. That's super inspiring. So so you gave uh, some tips about starting your own projects. You mentioned AWS. You mentioned, so uh, do you have like a EC2 working and uh, and like do you have your model hosted on an EC2 server or, or because you mentioned that architecture or do you use uh, AWS just to send you the... The, the the snapshot of the camera yeah i'm i'm only using it for text alerts i have gpus in both of my desktops i train the model on prem air quotes on prem <laughs> and then yeah I, i'm only using aws to send mm, the alerts awesome okay next question is about um all those personal projects that you do and, and sometimes you do them alone sometimes you do them with uh, your husband uh, that have uh, this uh, 3D printing um, yeah. thing. Um, do you feel like your personal projects helps you become a better data scientist and approach better business, like your your, your business and, and, and freelance? Like, how do you combine your personal projects with your uh, with your professional life? And let me add something more because sometimes we might get tired of like trying to build the best model for this client and we do it all day long. And so when we disconnect, you go and you make a fun project about having the bus. How do you separate um, this and how do you approach combining this? And is one, does one uh, like personal or, um, or business improve the other one? I don't know if I was clear in this question. Let me know if I should rephrase it. No, so I mean, I haven't been doing uh, too much internal work since April when I joined Comet because yeah. now I'm doing um, 
I'm doing developer advocacy full time, but I feel like I, I do worry about my skills uh, because I'm not working internally somewhere or I'm not working on, you know, freelance projects uh, at the moment. So I, you know, I, I both do the projects to keep my skills fresh um, mm, because that's okay. like a huge concern, but I feel like the projects don't go you know, like, you know, I'm not going to become an expert in computer vision doing my like fun side projects, but it does help to make me a generalist. Like I can talk about, you know, a lot of different things and I've learned a whole lot that I wouldn't have learned without doing the personal project. So I'm absolutely learning, but I feel like it adds to, you know, me being more of a general generalist than yeah. an expert in anything. Okay. Okay. Understood. Okay. Uh, and I wanted to, um, I should have asked you earlier, but um, uh, you're a, a developer advocate. Um, you mentioned this uh, a few times. Could you define for us uh, developer advocate and what it implies and what you need to do on a daily basis? Yeah. So in a way, I'm like a liaison between the community and the Comet product. Okay. And so, you know, I'm helping to drive brand awareness, but I'm also just, you know, your friendly data scientist online that's like, hey, you know, if you want to play with Comet and you have questions, reach out to me. I'm mm. here and, uh, you know, just, yeah, driving awareness being available for others. All right. Thanks. Thank you so much. Um, I think, I think I, I, I had uh, a lot of questions that I really wanted to ask you uh, and now I have more visibility on, on different things. Um, I love the way you approach your friend problems. Uh, I love the way you, you balance everything. And, and as I said before, the, the passion uh, you share, um, you share in, in approaching these projects. Um, you quite mentioned it um, in a different ways, but I wanted to ask you directly that questions. Uh, so today, how do you how do you improve and how do you keep improving? So we understood that you go on communities, you communicate, you build network, you build uh, the branding, um, then you do fun projects to like stay updated with latest models. Would you add something else, maybe some secret sauce, some some books, or or some, or like how do you approach solving problems? Like, would you have some other tips to share regarding you improving yourself and your skills? Yeah, I mean, I guess I'd just say that you know I've been doing this for a long time, and I still you know uh, just on my yearly review said I wanted to take a course in ML ops, like, and I'm just open to. Um, continuously learning and you know I'm lucky that um you know like when books come out uh a lot of times the publisher might send me one so that'll promote it online and so uh you know I I I really enjoy uh thumbing through books and you know trying to learn as much as I can and that's sort of like the whole shebang like that's my life being involved in the community um reading blog articles, attempting projects that I really, you know, uh, when I, when I approached that first bus project, I had mm. 
no computer vision uh, experience. And it's, you know, the fact that I understand machine learning and there's just so many similarities that I was able to, you know, cross over and sort of pick it up. And so that's sort of what I'd want to share with other people is to like, you know, more, more of it transfers than you think. I actually wrote a whole blog article. I went through every single loss function. Um, I went through every computer vision tutorial for Keras. There's Mm. 68 of them. And I went through every single one and looked at what was the loss function they used and what was the type of analysis, you know, what type of problem were they trying to solve? And I looked at it Mm. and then realized that like, you know, they're using mean squared error. They're using, you know, cross entropy. Like it was just, it was, it was, uh, exactly the things that I was already familiar with and, yeah. and none of it was as scary as I thought it was going to be. Cause sometimes in our mind, even when, when the term big data became popular, it was like, yeah. Ooh, what's that? It sounds fancy and technical yeah. and scary. And then you hop in and play with it. And you're like, I mean, especially, uh, you know, seven or eight years ago, if you're using Hive and Hadoop, it was like exactly like writing SQL, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know? And so I think, a lot of times we just need to to roll up our sleeves and get our hands dirty and and uh, a lot follows from that exactly and, and while you mentioned ski and i remember talking with tom eva and and a lot of other people and they always tell me um if you know your fundamentals you're good because everything that's coming out we will just change names in the future and we'll just make it more sexy maybe but uh in the end, if you know the fundamentals, whether it's machine learning, MLOps, or whatever you're doing, but if you know your fundamentals in statistics, if you know your fundamentals in uh, like cloud architecture or, or uh, data engineering, I feel like it always repeats itself. And we only have to catch up on a few new concepts. And, uh, and I feel like, uh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, sometimes it is more scary than it really is. And I feel like the best way to learn is to just jump down like jump into a project and try to do it and and like get an api like uh, mm-hmm. let's mention the the new apis from uh, open ai like the chat gpt and the whisper open ai um uh, the api sorry uh, they are very uh, very interesting uh, we'll definitely look into it um so awesome thank you so much for sharing i have two uh and question episode to, to ask you. The first one should be, uh, where can people follow you and engage with uh, what you're building and what you're doing? What can they expect from from, from your courses and, and your show? Can you share a bit of, uh, of us with that? Where can we follow you? Yeah, no, you can definitely follow me on LinkedIn. That's sort of where I live. What was the other question? Uh, just like, do, do you have like a, your show, like a YouTube channel, like like more places where people can connect? Uh, should they, should if they want to connect with you or ask questions, uh, how, how can people reach out to you on the yeah, comments? No, so, like we learned so, from this episode. Yeah, so LinkedIn is definitely the hub where, okay. um, you know, if I'm promoting the next Cool Data Project show, you'll see that there. So Okay. LinkedIn is the start of everything. Place to be. Awesome. Thanks. Well, Christine, I want to thank you so much for being on this podcast. My last question to you would be, would you have a message? It can be a personal message. It can be a professional message, like a vision, something that is important for you, uh, to you in life. 
uh, what is the message that you want to share with the Let's Talk AI audience and more in general? Yeah, I think, um, you know, and we've already talked about it a bit, but like getting my master's degree in statistics was kind of lonely. You know, there was only three other people in the program and I just felt, you know, a little unique because, you know, I just saw so few people, but um, it really was lonely. And, um, you know, getting involved in the community has really like, I feel so connected. I have so many friends that I've made on LinkedIn that are like, real friendships. And if I have a real problem, I can call them. And so, you know, if you're out there doing nerdy things and, and, you know, and, and you don't feel connected, like yeah. there is, there are people out there, you know, and, uh, you'll hear people talk about like imposter syndrome too. Mm. And, and you start to realize that like, you're not the only one who feels this way or that way. And yeah. it's, you know, it's very important to, to get connected. Awesome. That's a, a wonderful message. Thank you so much, Christine, for coming on the show. And I wish you all the best. And I look forward to speak with you again in the future. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Awesome. Bye. Congrats. You've made it to the end. I hope you had a great time and that you learned a few things. To learn more about AI, you can subscribe to my newsletter or check the blog. And to support the podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can also share it with two friends, colleagues or family members that might be interested. I wish you to have a wonderful day. Bye.